Chapter Three of Miss Pym's Camouflage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Miss Pym's Camouflage by Lady Dorothy Stanley. Chapter Three. Leslie thought her aunt's visit to London very odd and unexpected. Perhaps she is going up to see a doctor, poor dear, and does not want me to know. She was confirmed in this surmise when Auntie Purr refused Leslie's escort in an embarrassed way. No, my dear, I have some private business, or I should rather say public business, to attend to. Not exactly public, not at present. I am sure it should be considered confidential business, something which concerns me, said Miss Pym, confused. It sounds as though you were eloping. To a registry office, laughed Leslie, going off perhaps with the vicar. Miss Pym blushed as red as an oriental poppy. Leslie was very teasing, she thought, and when it became known that Mr. Barton had accompanied her to town, Leslie would tease her aunt still more. Miss Pym resolved to keep her own counsel, however, and allow matters to mature. I can always explain later on, she said to herself, but she did not feel easy till she sat in the 1018 Express and was off on her non-stop journey to town. Mr. Barton's presence was very reassuring. He managed to make her feel that disappearing was, if not quite a normal occurrence, at any rate something natural, a special gift like ventriloquism or the phenomenal calculating powers of so-called prodigies. Mr. Barton was so balanced and sane she felt steadied by his kindly presence, and Mr. Barton was immensely enjoying himself. He knew he was offering a prodigy to the war office, and that but for him all the potentialities of this amazing discovery would have been lost. Lieutenant Ellis at the war office came down to his uncle in the big waiting room. He was a thoroughly good fellow, and though he was bored by his uncle, he never showed it. He greeted Miss Pym just as though she were eighteen, remarkably pretty, wore high heels and silk stockings, mourning decolletage and a fetching hat. Mr. Barton took him aside and in a low voice told him of Miss Pym's miraculous power and how it was absolutely necessary to secure an interview with Sir Robert Williamson. Lieutenant Ellis looked, his uncle thought, uncommonly stupid. Oh, I say, but I never see Sir Robert. I can't approach him but there are others who can look here bertie you must get us into a private room and bring some war office bigwigs a colonel or two and a general and miss pym will disappear bertie grinned then he thought rapidly he knew a jolly colonel in one department who would think it tremendous sport and two other pals who might pass as colonels anyhow it would all be screamingly funny he'd risk it Uncle, he said, I'm your man. Follow me. Miss Pym, will you step this way? Solemnly they mounted a broad stone staircase and were ushered into a small room. The cells of officials, I am convinced, have a great deal to do with shaping the official mind and manner. And why not? We know that ordinary bees' eggs laid in a particular cell produce royal bees. If bees put their eggs in official cells, they would produce official bees, that is to say, bees with enlarged heads 
and diminished brain power. Bertie Ellis was less official than many, and this was his uncle. Besides, it was not far from the luncheon hour, and he was to meet at a delightful restaurant, a delightful girl who worked at the Admiralty and wore the newest, smartest frocks. So Bertie was not quite so official that day. He was still a human being. He left Miss Pym and his uncle to fetch his friends, and soon returned with three very correct young officers in faultless khaki and a stout jolly colonel with a very red face mr barton then made a short address about miss pym in rather a showmanlike way the three young lieutenants made really convulsive efforts to keep a war office demeanour almost breaking down when mr barton said i will now ask miss pym to seat herself in the middle of the room and disappear not on the floor said the gallant colonel hastening forward with a large office-chair certainly not on the floor replied the vicar severely miss pym please be seated miss pym very pale and nervous looked at her audience two of the younger men had pressed their handkerchiefs to their lips with sorrowful dignity miss pym sat down leant back in the chair and disappeared chair and all there was a deep silence broken by mr barton will you speak miss pym to show you are here amidst us though invisible mr barton spoke exactly as people do at spiritualist seances yes i am here and everything appears to me just the same said miss pym's voice will you now be good enough to rise and shake hands with the colonel ordered mr barton the colonel backed behind the table oh i say choose one of the young uns he cried but miss pym had him by the hand before he could escape from the room and every officer found himself in succession shaking hands with something just then the door opened and a lean old staff officer walked in with a bundle of papers bertie jumped up sir excuse me sir but there is something awfully strange going on you ought to know sir robert williamson ought to know by jove sir it's lucky you came i i shouldn't have dared to ask you to come said bertie boyishly the officer looked at him kindly with shrewd eyes perhaps you will introduce me to your reverend friend and then explain but you must make it short you know how pressed i am sir hector russell my uncle mr barton vicar of froghurst at the great name of hector russell miss pym felt faint and wished she might remain invisible so great was her emotion the vicar then briefly explained the case dropping his rather portentous manner sir hector listened acutely it really is the best way to describe his keen intense attitude then in a very gentle quiet way he asked and the lady you say is here in this room miss pym please to reappear said the vicar rather tremulously and miss pym became visible seated on the chair in the middle of the office sir hector stood before her silent as though in a trance then looking at miss pym reassuringly he put out his hand this is very wonderful almost unnerving it is quite extraordinarily kind of you coming to us then turning to the officers he said gentlemen not a word of this to any one in the war office or outside that must clearly be understood 
the colonel and the lieutenants murmured their acquiescence and here are the papers colonel to look at when you get time gentlemen i will not detain you and the door closed leaving sir hector with the vicar and miss pym of course sir robert williamson must meet you he is in committee now but it would be better for him to see you away from here what do you say to our motoring out to froghurst on sunday afternoon and you could give us a cup of tea sir hector asked this so easily in such a friendly way miss pym felt quite reassured sir hector then begged her to observe the greatest secrecy about it not to let any one know of this extraordinary power and not to publish the visit of sir robert williamson and himself miss pym assured him of her discretion and sir hector escorted her and mr barton to the great hall below End of chapter three